Hey everybody, this is Yongtun from the Council on International Law and Diplomacy and you're listening to Wachana Malaysiana, the show that propagates, explains and shapes your thoughts with our ideas. The same applies to our nation. It is spiritual love that strengthens this nation. It is philosophy that lubricates its purpose. To our listeners, today I represent CILD Center for Asiatic Affairs or Pusat Pengajian Hal Ewan Asiatic, an established department that pushes forward a philosophy CILD is pioneering on a face-to-face basis. First and foremost, I'm here to welcome all of you that tuned in to our first episode. All of you listeners may come from different corners of life, but that is the beauty of ideas, is that no matter where you are, a good idea always attaches to the right people. And as a general information, for those interested to know more about CILD, we are available at Instagram known as CILD Official, Facebook known as Council on International Law and Diplomacy, LinkedIn with the same name as Facebook, and lastly, CILDofficial.com as our official website. Wachana Malaysiana, the title of our podcast, is our audio medium in planting such seeds of thought in the Malaysian fora. It serves as a spreading mechanism and also plays a calling role to all Malaysian thinkers that are captivated by the philosophical preface which we will be introducing later that desperately requires bright thinkers to strengthen their substance, influence and the courage to define something new. So to all listeners, today's episode, we will be divided into three segments, which I will highlight the chronological process of CILD from its inception to today's stage, where it now serves itself as a masterminding entity of a new national philosophy for Malaysia. We will start off with the short but insightful history of this organization, then move in deeper on how Nasilam Modernisma develops itself and its philosophical canons, and speaking of philosophical canons, we will then discuss the recent work produced by CFA, namely the three-corner theory that serves as the international outlook of uh, as a national modernist. Considering that this is our first episode, we intend to keep it general, simple, yet insightful for our listeners. So without further ado, let us begin. Founded in 2020 as a University Moro United Nations Club, it started out as a conventional club that recruits members and organizes events related to international events around us. So for those that have never heard of Moro United Nations or known as MUN, it is an academic simulation event where students simulate themselves as diplomats to discuss key international issues through good research and thinking speaking skills, sorry. But our commitment here was not long-lasting as the more exposure and knowledge we obtain, the more we ask ourselves. We would like to be more than that. What the Moro United Nations taught us is that it gives us a general experience of how the world works, but during such participation, it also made us contemplate one key question. Why is the world, well, the world today? As time developed, the thinking eventually developed into why is Malaysia 
Malaysia today. Knowing that to seek such questions, to seek such further solution, requires us to strive on our own path, CILD was hands form. But this is not the end of the story. After the change, we have organized insightful panel talks, forums, and conferences, which we did attract a healthy influx of like-minded people. But the realization comes when we found out that there has been an ideational gap in Malaysia for decades. The ideational dynamics in our country today are full of individuals and organizations conducting critical analysis on different segments of life that constitutes society. The problem lies on the overboard critical thinking that forgets that seismic impact can only be done via consolidated thinking or synthesis of key ideas that forms a systemic philosophy that roots out the flaws that they raise through quality criticism. But despite this obvious fact, the today's civil society is still stuck at issue-based advocacy and piecemealism without realizing their ideational fragmentation and criticism without intellectual foundation, it also contributing to the collective demise of potential national greatness. People no longer strive for speculative courage, but pragmatic cynicism. Noticing such risks, CILD proceeds to reform itself internally, setting its organizational goal as a think tank but under our own definition, and that is the masterminding entity that attracts courageous thinkers to conceive, to consolidate, and to inject new grandiose ideas that foundation a stronger Malaysia, one that is nationally united and capable of exerting strength in the international arena. And because of this, what we are discussing today in Wachana Malaysiana is the implementation of this reform CLD and the official direction this organization will be undertaking due to such problems that we observe. So let's move on to the second segment. By extracting our observation, CILD eventually realizes that the best way to solve a problem that plagues Malaysian thinkers is not a call for more quality conferences or forums, but it is to embark the toughest of the toughest. That is the conceiving of a new consolidated idea. The keyword lies in the term consolidated because bringing out ideas is not the difficult feat. It can pop out wheresoever, whensoever, and howsoever. Today's Malaysian low-quality national solutions are not the result of a lack of idea, but the lack of systemic thinking in consolidating core ideas. Then filtering out the trivial ideas, then finally conclude such process with a new intellectual package. Or as the German says it, Weltanschwang, meaning worldview, or Bahasa Malaysia, Duniawi. National Modernisme basically is an uncompleted intellectual package that is currently undergoing the process of consolidation and filtering trivial ideas. Some people call it a doctrine, philosophy, or theory, and ladies and gentlemen, they are all correct. National Modernisme is a result of CILD's belief in thinking macro through Dow 2020, and this philosophy witnessed its birth when we fuse our international and national observation on our beloved nation. Hence, we add another sentence to our belief that is a courage to define. So in terms of the pioneering spirit of national modernisme, it came from the result of thinking macro and bearing the courage to define. In terms of its philosophical rationale, ladies and gentlemen, to all my listeners, let us stop consoling ourselves and tackle the hard reality. Malaysia today is not a nation. We are only a state. 
Our current status as an upper-middle-income developing country is a result of institutional strength supported by professional bureaucrats. But, Malaysians, ask yourself today, 64 years on, we still rarely possess traditions, symbols, or historical memories that could stir a common resonance to it. Divided by our educational system, divided by languages, divided by ethnicity, the slogan unity and diversity is nothing but a facade. A pat on the back to those with low standards of what a nation should be. We don't resonate to the same symbol nor tradition and understand historical memories from completely different cultural ecosystems to the extent most of us are Malaysians by registrar, but a stranger by soul. As a result, even if Malaysia produces remarkable individuals from the bottom up, such talents only represent the specific cultural world limited under racial and religious identities rather than national. To my listeners, a low national recognition not only brings the dilution of intangible things, but it affects economic performance significantly. If we want a nation that only commences basic economic activities that need no creative faculties or an innovative spirit, sure, throw away national modernisme today. But no, we want a stronger nation to foundation a country where growth comes from innovation, where one moves beyond mere users of things to being creators and innovators requires a foundation of resonant national identity and strong acceptance to it. This is to precondition a coherent landscape that breaks away from factor accumulative growth. Today's dissonant social worlds with the excuse of multiculturalism only fragments economic markets where employment becomes race-based, business proposition becomes racially, racially targeted, social narratives solely catering to racial religious identities, shrinking an already small 30 million population into micro-markets, constituting Malaysia's contemporary problem known as the middle income trap. So do not tell me to just forget these issues and focus on making money, build a family, retire, die. Because to live under such a society where the yearning for one identity known as militia is being laughed at and you're being asked to return to your racial one is not a society I want to live in. Like luster measures on the metaphysical elements of the national creates uncontrolled materialism because the more money is made from it, the poorer the nation gets because wealth without national identity, its people seeks national strength as unworthy of ultimate sacrifice. Citizens, public officials, legislators, they feel more obligated to their family, region, ethnic groups, religion than to the national community and therefore divert money towards the former, shrinking society's moral obligation purely on an interpersonal basis, leaving the nation to dust, leaving the nation to trash. To my listeners, a state without a nation inevitably loses the why of its action. Something like a workaholic that works hard without knowing the purpose of his hard work, such a person might gain material success, but the lacking spiritual ideal renders him average, where their contribution is bound to be forgotten upon the death of him. Similar to Malaysia, a state that solely cares about tangible indicators without the national spirit turns cities into mere brick and mortar, turn art into mere paintings within a frame, and culture as insignificant hobbies. To live on a land without spiritual identity strips away any source of sentimental inspiration that sparks innovation and creativity for its people. It turned Malaysian into insignificant beings that holds no unique presence worthy of inserting into pages of human history. 
Nacional Modernismo is thus the philosophy of consolidation, the philosophy of rearrangement, the philosophy of metaphysical injection. Consolidation Nacional represents a spiritual pillar in reconfiguring today's dissonant multiculturalism to a resonant one, where different cultural references are horizontally bridged by common linguistics, limiting differences under regional and ethnic dialects rather than different mastery of languages. Its measures are justified by the nationally branded human rights that fits the nation-building process in a developing world, known as the right to unite. Second, a philosophy of rearrangement. We put modernisme behind national implies Malaysia's economic routes are means of elevating national ideals, rather than vice versa. Where the embracement of Malaysian identity made them creators of economic phenomena, and we express our global attraction through our new architecture, Nusantaga, Islamic and spiritual wisdom, urban planning, literature, food, and public figures. Malaysian made under national modernism becomes a unique brand that attracts talents to practice the Malaysian way instead of us supplying talent outwards due to our goddamn weak spiritual stamina that offers no sophisticated cultural heritage for them to extract from. Lastly, metaphysical injection. National modernism becomes not just economic robots that attains material wealth for the sake of themselves and ethnic groups, but the wholesale national identity where wealth does not contain just money, but also the wealth of spiritual, cultural, and artistic values. National modernism offers Malaysia profoundness and symbolic value through Nusantaga Islamic and spiritual leadership alongside consolidated plurality that accommodates cultures under a common linguistic with the broad land air, and maritime living space, attaining regional and global influence through embedded national ideals with a purposeful economic modernization. Nacional Modernismo is thus itself a philosophical canon that is piling its intellectual arsenal step by step. Ranging from its international outlook before embarking on national pioneering, it seeks patience, hedging, and accumulation of time because it demands seismic change rather than piecemeal advocacy. And thus, this leads me to the first theory propagated by CILD under this canon of thought, the three-corner theory, a guide on how national modernism sees the international environment for Malaysia. To my listeners, before I continue on our last segment, let me inform you a few public links for you if you are interested in reading the full version of the discussion today. To those interested in Nasana Modernisma, please check out cldofficial.com and click on Fasa Satu Kekuasaan Nasional as you will be directed into two PDF files that contains general framework. The difference is just being one is in Bahasa Malaysia, another is in English. For three corner-wise, fear not, we will be uploading the full theoretical document very soon on this website and you are able to read our introductory hypothesis that CLD, CFA will be working on. With that, let us return to the third and last segment of today's episode. So to return to what I said in the second segment, why would I use the word canons of thought to describe national modernism? Because ladies and gentlemen, national modernism is not a singular political document at this moment. That is why I say it is incomplete. 
It is essentially a general framework as we speak that lays down a direction for further theories to be conceived where in return it gives us a fuller picture to the essence of such philosophy. Hence, we put the term philosophical canon. So let me give you a very simple structure to understand it better. So visualize its philosophical structure by separating it into two pillars. The first one as national, the second as modernisme. In today's episode, we will be focusing solely on the former pillar. Under national, we need further theories to consolidate various contradictions within Malaysia internationally and nationally. So in simple terms, the national pillar requires few other theories to supplement a stronger outlook to the general idea. So these theories helps us to understand what position we will have, what position we will be taking on various issues crucial to Malaysian greatness, for example, education, language, foreign policy, ideological path, and many more. And for this theory, the three-corner theory, I, which I will explain afterwards, is the international theory that will serve as an ideological position for a national modernist. So three-corner theory helps a national modernist to navigate the contradiction of a multicultural Malaysia from a geopolitical lens. It is essentially saying that in order to attain the first step for a stronger Malaysia, it requires a sound theoretical basis to tell us that the desired unity for a powerful national stride is to find a nucleus, a middle point, basically, amidst three contradicting corners. And as long as Malaysians are overindulging, oversubscribing, or over-addicted to one of the corners, it strays us away from a greater leap. This theory thus tells us, or tells a national modernist, that Malaysia will remain mediocre when each of us reserves ourselves to our own racial, spiritual, and cultural corners, absorbing its essence while giving up a common rope all Malaysians resonate onto. And personally, I am fearful, ladies and gentlemen, I am fearful that what is happening today continues on for the decades to come. Hence, through this theory, we identify three key corners which are the Confusion Corner, Islamic Corner, and Developing Corner, respectively. These are the three predominant geopolitical spheres of influence that constantly rotate around Malaysia, but each do not have the ability to gain eternal predominance. And from these corners, it offers three geopolitical necessities that Malaysians must be aware of before embarking on the struggle for national strength. The first necessity, understanding the Western school of thought, is an inferior necessity. Two, understanding the Islamic school of thought is a national necessity. Three, understanding the Chinese traditional school of thought from a Marxist materialist lens is a geopolitical necessity. I need all of us to understand these three necessities and I will address it one by one. So starting from the Western school of thought, one trait of this school of thought seen through the developing corner is our weakness in forming our own influential worldview. That is why we are willingly accepting intellectual dominance from outside forces. So absorbing their knowledge, absorbing the Western knowledge is indeed beneficial. But to seek something more like national greatness, there are geographical nuances that the natural progress of Western counterparts do not possess to understand. That is why the sole indulgence of Western approach is not enough for national strength. Second, Islamic school of thought. The contradicting forces from developing and confusion corners tells us that the sole subscription of Islamic knowledge is also not enough for national strength. 
under the Nusantara theater, under the Asiatic theater, our geographical nuances, our historical differences, our demographic differences, our political differences, these are too fundamentally different for us to adhere to just the Islamic civilizational knowledge. That is why the Malaysian intellectual struggle within Islamic civilization must hence be analyzed from the Malaysian three-corner lens. Our theological understanding must thus align with the contradicting geopolitical environment we know as Nusantara, or like I said just now, the Asiatic theater. Three, for the Chinese traditional school of thought from a Marxist materialist lens, Malaysians' intellectual struggle within the Chinese civilization requires a conceptual model that synthesizes its historical virtues through the ideological perspective. And under such theory, this particular conceptual model that I mentioned must contain civilizational literature, Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, and Western thought. From these three necessities, the Western, the Islamic, and the Chinese Marxist materialist necessity, we then conclude with one statement. He who finds a center between the three finds the national greatness for Malaysia. Ladies and gentlemen, under this three-corner theory, we are essentially, like what I said just now, is to find the middle point. By finding the middle point in our geopolitical environment that Malaysia is fated onto, it is not something that we choose. It is our fate because of the position we are in in, in this earth, right? So we need to find the center between three geopolitical spheres before we go on to a national theoretical movement, before we go on to the national political action, right? So we need to be patient. We need to hedge our time when we talk about issues like education, literature, language, fashion, art, architecture, urban planning, and a lot more. All these issues will eventually came about provided we successfully consolidate such theoretical essence from a three-corner lens. So ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of our first episode of Wachana Malaysiana produced by CILD Center for Asiatic Affairs. So in the next episode, in episode two, we will go way deeper into the three-corner theory. Today, we just only gave a very brief um, a brief explanation of what three-corner theory is about. But for our next episode, we will go in deeper. We will provide a historical analysis on each corner, a chronological analysis of each corner, political analysis, theological analysis, and many, many more. It is only with such intellectual inquiry, it is only with such analysis, then only we strive to set up a path. That is the difference that we are making. We are not just here to provide empirical analysis. We are also to go one step further, is to have the courage to define something new. And of course, when it comes to defining something new, there are of course certain inherent risks. And for that, we have only one sentence to give. To my listeners, every revolutionary idea was once an antithesis to a thesis. What renders its successful replacement always lies in its internal righteousness, nobility, bravery, and most importantly, the undying love for the betterment of its people. Thank you very much to my listeners. This is our first episode of Wachana Malaysiana. My name is Yongzhen, the host for this show today. And lastly, think macro and bear the courage to define. Thank you, everyone.